0: Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guybe. The great Matt Guybe here with you once again with the Kingdom Corner Podcast. And we've been going on quite a while now, actually since the end of April, on the topic of the fivefold ministry, specifically apostles and prophets. That's really what I've been honing in on with maybe a couple detours, with a couple other shows we had. But we've really been talking about apostles and prophets. The last time we were together, we spoke on, finally, after defining first the apostle and then the prophet for you, We finally wanted to tie them together because in scriptures, especially in the New Testament, we most often see apostles and prophets working together. And so last time we talked about apostles and prophets, the dynamic duo. Today we could give this episode a little bit different twist. We're continuing on with the dynamic duo, but let's call this episode... The Stewardship of Prophetic Time and Apostolic Space. The Stewardship of Prophetic Time and Apostolic Space. Okay, friend, right now I want you to take a break before we really get into this and break this down for a shameless plug for my pastor friend, Tyler Frick from the King's Company. I want you to go to kingscompany.org. Forward slash five dash fold. Let me read that again. The King's Company, all one word, dot org, forward slash five dash fold. And you, for $17, for the the cost of a cup of coffee a day, will hear some of the best revelatory, wise teaching by a young on fire minister, Tyler Frick, my friend, I've been following for two years. And lo and behold, he's talking about the five-fold ministry. He's called it the five-fold challenge. And in this week, this next week coming, starting tomorrow, for $17, you're going to get five days of teaching on the apostle. One day, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher each day of the week. Along with that, he's giving some awesome goodies out, all for $17, $3.40 a day. He's going to give you his digital copies of his books, Mind Traffic, Prevailing Soul, Heart of Conviction, and his newest book, More Than Sights and Sounds, which is really all about the prophetic and ministering in the gifts. Uh, I want you to go to that site. I want you to sign up. We're going to have 100 people there. We still have about 25 or 30 openings. I can't stress this enough. If you don't get in on time, you could still, if you hear this, go and purchase the course after we've gone through it or even in the middle of it. I don't want you to miss out. This will be some of the best teaching you could ever hear on the fivefold, apostle, prophet, evangelist, prophet, teacher. A lot of the things I'm teaching on, Tyler has opened my eyes up to and revealed to me. Of course, I put in some of my own things, but he tapped into the gift inside of me as a teacher, as an apostolic minister, I would not be here today on this podcast, the Kingdom Corner podcast, had it not been for my wonderful friend, Pastor Tyler Frick. Please, please, please take advantage of this, and we'll have this in the show notes as well. So, now that I've had my shameless plug and my commercial for the King's Company and some great teaching on just what we're talking about, let's go ahead and we're going to get into this topic today, the stewardship of prophetic time and apostolic space. That is what apostles and prophets are all about when they minister. So last time we were talking about the dynamic duo, and we kind of cut it off in the middle of what I was trying to get to and wrap all up. I couldn't wrap it up in, in just the 30 minutes I had. So we're going to get back into this. And I left you with 2 Corinthians 10, 13-16, And we were going to talk about being able to steward prophetic time with the understanding of apostolic space. But before we do that, I have some scriptures I want to go over, some more scriptures, and then we're going to segue right into 2 Corinthians 10, 13 to 16. So, number one, my point on my outline is we do not see national and international prophets that function apart from apostolic teams. In the New Testament, Acts 13 was a gathering of leaders in which God spoke prophetically. The same in a couple chapters over in Acts 15. Also, Acts 11 speaks of Agabus. This was a prophet prophesying about a famine, but there were teams that were sent from Jerusalem to Antioch. The word was processed with other apostolic leaders, and this word that Agabus gave, I'm referring to, gave, and funds were set aside Because they believed this prophecy was of God about a famine, funds were set aside by the apostolic team, by the leaders of the church, to prepare for that. You know, they were setting money aside. We see in the book of Acts particularly, 25 times the word prophet was mentioned, and only four times was it about a prophet in the New Testament. All the other references were referring to the Old Testament prophets. So I'm saying here that the prophets and apostles, especially the prophets when we talk about them working with the apostles, took on a a bit of a different role than what we see in the Old Testament. They weren't so much as to the forefront, and they worked along with apostles to bring revelation like Agabus did to the team, you know, about famine. But it was the apostles who did a lot of the work who set up the New Testament church. So let's read some of these examples here today, and then we'll get into the verse in Second Corinthians, Acts eleven twenty-two to thirty. Acts eleven twenty-two to thirty. Then news of the things of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. "...and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord." So the church sent him out to minister, see? Then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek Saul, or that's Paul... And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So see, he's establishing the church, the Apostle Paul, right? They're still called Saul here. And setting up apostolic network. He was sent out as an apostle. And then later on, if you read the, the New Testament, we see Timothy, we see Titus were his protégés. Those were pastors, he set in different churches, like the Church of Ephesus. And he set that up, kind of an apostolic network. And in these days, verse 27 of Acts 11, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus, and this was what I was referring to in the beginning, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which so happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. The disciples, each according to his ability ability as a team, they determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. They did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So that's what they're doing. They're functioning as the apostolic network, ministering to different churches. Here they were going to Antioch, of course. And then let's look at another one of what apostles and prophets working together in the functioning of the church. Acts 15, 1-6. Acts 15, 1-6. You could also read... Galatians 2, this is what this is referring to. Galatians 2, Acts 15, 1-6, are they are verses that talk about the same thing. Passages talk about the same thing. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised... According to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so then what happened? Therefore, verse 2, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem. See, they were going to go there to the church in Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, they were going to go. They were going to confront this issue. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, rose up saying, these Pharisees were now believers in the church. Of course, the Jews thought that message was basically to them. They said, therefore, it's necessary to circumcise these new converts and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So this was the issue. This was the bone of contention. You can read about it in Galatians 2, 7 to 11. The apostles and elders came together in the Jerusalem council on this matter. And you see in from... Galatians especially that Paul actually had to confront Peter cuz F- Peter was of this belief that they had to go by these rites in the in the Jewish law and the Talmud, you know, they had to be circumcised. You know, and this gets back to what I've shared before that Paul was the apostle to the Gentile church that opened up the gospel not just to the Jews but to everyone in the world. So this was a new revelation. We talked about the mysterion, that which had been shut up that he spoke about, especially in Ephesians 3. I talked to you about that last week. And here he had to correct, it may be embarrassing, Peter, and say, hey, this whole gospel is for all men now, and they don't have to go by all these Jewish customs, all these Jewish uh, circumcision, because Jesus did away with these things. He fulfilled them when he died on the cross. That's an explanation of that in a nutshell. Now let's go to the scripture that is the crux of what I'm talking about, which, again, I'll say, to be able to steward prophetic time, we must understand apostolic space. So let's go into Second Corinthians 10, 13 to 16. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible, and we'll just get into this a bit, and we'll dissect this a bit. Second Corinthians 10, 13 to 16, Amplified Bible. We, on the other hand, will not boast beyond our proper limit but will keep within the limits of our commission or our territory, our authority, which God has granted to us as a measure, which reaches and includes even you. We are not overstepping the limits of our province as if we did not legitimately reach to you, for we were the very first to come even as far as you with the good news of Christ. We do not go beyond our proper limit, boasting in the work of other men. But we have the hope that as your faith in Christ and his divine power continues to grow, our field among you may be greatly expanded, but still within the limits of our commission, so that we may preach the gospel even in the lands beyond you, but not to boast in work already accomplished in another one's field of activity. Very, very important. We're talking about we're talking about apostles and prophets and how they minister, and where they minister. Specifically, he's talking about the space and territory that an apostle will minister in. Very, very important. We're going to look at some Greek words here, but I'll just say, like I said in last week's or episode, the last episode, just because you are a called apostle into the office doesn't mean that God is calling you to do your apostling everywhere you go. You are called to a certain time, but more importantly, to a certain space. I'd say time too, and that works more with the prophetic is the timing, but the space. There's a region he calls you to, and Paul realized that. He talked about in these verses here about other men that he wouldn't infringe on their territory or their field of activity. Let's look at some of these words. One of the words is, here we go we on the other hand will not boast beyond our proper limit or limits of our commission that word is a metrus a and it's it's a form of the next word and he's talking about a measure or overstepping limits metron the last word too in here is canon so let's talk about these greek words that are in this passage Metron is a sphere of influence, an instrument for measuring, a vessel for receiving and determining the quantity of something, of things, or whether it's a dry a something or a liquid. It's a staff that they use for measuring. It's a rule or a standard, like I have a ruler on my desk here to measure things. It determines an extent, a portion measured off. Measure or limit the required measure, the do, the fit, and the measure. And so we're talking about the regions that there's a specific region or regions that the apostle Paul was called to Corinthian. The Corinthian church was one of those regions, and he was telling them that. Okay, and that's what these words are talking about. Now, when we talk about canon, that's the root word. Uh, this word is from means a rod or straight piece of wood. To which anything is fastened to keep it straight, like a measuring rod or rule. This speaks more to the measuring rod and rule. It's bounded or fixed by space within limits of one's power and influence is within this space. It's kind of like a plumb line, see? When I'm talking about my region out here in the Pacific Northwest... I'm about 40 miles southeast of Seattle, my region would be this region out here that makes up about five or six little towns. Bonnie Lake is one of them, Sumner, possibly Enumclaw, maybe Ording. I'm just saying these names. That doesn't mean that I would be called to minister necessarily in the region of Seattle or South Seattle. See, that's what he's talking about. So we're talking about Apostolic space. Apostles have only authority in places and regions for specific groups of people that God has called them to. Apostles rule in their spheres of influence by Christ's commission or under his commission. It is Christ who sends apostles to the regions with kingdom rule. And in tandem with a prophet, like I said, without a vision, the people perish. Without prophetic revelation is what that word means, people perish. You can bring an apostle in a, to a region to minister, but we need the revelation, the fresh words of God that the prophets are tied into to really know what that region needs and what the people in that region need. So they work together to do that. Apostles who carry these specific authoritative mindsets in a region and anointing should impart it to the local leaders, elders, pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers in the region. This will build up an authentic foundation in the people not the soil. We're talking about building people. We're talking about, like Paul said in Ephesians 2, 20 to 22, the living and breathing temple of God. This is what we're talking about, setting that up by apostles and prophets moving into a specific region, a metron, a specific metron. That God has called them to, and they're not not just going to necessarily go all over the United States doing this. You know, I guess they could be called, and I think apostles and prophets may be called to a certain region, like I feel called to my region out here for a period of time, and then they may be called to go to another region. That's how I believe God works. It may not be there in that region as an apostle forever, but they are there to establish the region to upbuild the people and the other pastors in the area and teachers. There was a certain metron or canos, we could say, that Paul was called to. And I think 2 Corinthians 10, 13-16 in the Amplified Bible really, really describes that well. So let's go on to another point here. 2 Corinthians 10, 8. 2 Corinthians 10.8, in the same chapter a little bit before these portions of Scripture, 13 to 16. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. In other words, God gave him authority for that time and that region, okay? That's what Thess is talking about. I told you last week that in these chapters, I believe, 10, 11, 12, 13, he was having to defend his ministry. He was having to expound on the authenticity of his ministry as a called apostle to Corinthian church because I don't think they appreciated him too much and they sometimes listened to too many other people that thought they were leaders that were really not their called leaders. That's how I'll say that. So that's that. I hope you got what I was getting at. I'm going to say it one more time and and leave here. To be able to steward prophetic time, we must understand apostolic space. And I think I was sharing with a friend today about this topic. And, you know, there's a lot of people, and I think we've talked about it here before. This is why I'm so jealous to see this brought to light, to see this mysterion, as Paul talked about in Ephesians 3, continually unfolded to the church. I don't think there's a lot of light now on the fivefold ministry, and I don't see a lot of it out there, even though I'm almost 65 and I've heard about it, you know, preached in Pentecostal and full gospel churches since I was 17. That doesn't mean I've seen it. I know that God is raising it up. I told you about my buddy Tyler Frick, Pastor Tyler Frick. Already made a shameless plug for him. But men of God like him, God is giving, and myself and others, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. He's opening this up to us. So the stewardship of time prophetic time, and apostolic space. That's very, very important. That is that is the message, one of the messages about the fivefold ministry of the hour. Unless we have that in place, we can talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, how they're there for the upbuilding of the saints. But unless we understand that, we can't really see Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 fulfilled, where it talks about The whole church is brought together and builded together because God gave these prophetic gifts of men to the church. We'll never see that if we don't first understand, in my opinion, this revelation of prophetic time and apostolic space. I've talked about it before. I'm going on and on, but it's on my heart. Time passes by, and sometimes we miss out on God's timing, just like a surfer may miss out on a great wave. Sometimes we may get it wrong, and we may be ministering in an area or region. I think ministers have done this for years, like hitting their head against a wall because it wasn't the proper time or season, okay? I think that's so important. That's a message for this hour. Let's go on with some of my notes here. When God is doing a new thing on the earth, the prophet will prophesy about it, and yet we need the apostle to release it or teach it or establish it into the people. Uh, I think I have some more scriptures here we can go into. Let's read 1 Timothy 5. 21 to 22, 1 Timothy 5, 21 to 22, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things with prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay your hands on anyone hastily, nor share in people's sins. Keep yourself pure. This is Paul's admonition to his protege, Timothy. Again, it's showing his authority, showing how he's over the church to give direction giving direction to this young pastor. Let's go to another one. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6-11. to 1 Thessalonians 3, 6-11. to But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. So he's talking to the church there. He was encouraged by the word that the protege Timothy brought to him in prison about how that church was doing, you know, Church of Thessalonica. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Let's see. Those are the scriptures, the main scriptures I have today just want to look at a few more notes. When God is doing a new thing, we said on the earth, the prophet will prophesy it, and yet we need the apostle to release it into the people or teach it or establish it with the people. You may have a apostolic authority. You may be called to the office and the office gift, I'll call it, of an apostle or a prophet for that matter, but that doesn't mean you need to release all your gift everywhere. You need to be careful about that. The churches and regions should be following apostolic leaders. This is what I'm wanting to see so much in the church established. The churches and regions should be following apostolic leaders in conduct, that's how they walk, perspective, what they're seeking after, the work, that is learning how to put their hand to the plow with the gospel message, exhortation, and what God is leading, In what God is leading. There are traditions, there are maybe possible rules for a certain region set in place for that time in that region that is brought by the prophetic and by the apostolic oversight that is for that region for that time. I believe that, and every region will be different depending on what's going on there. As apostles lay traditional foundations in conduct and actions, the church's response should be made diligently. Otherwise, the fruit of the leadership is received by idle folks who will not have any part in the reward. It will be wasted, in other words. Question for people personally here. Are you leading the life or living the life that the Lord has assigned to you as a follower of Christ, are you just blindly following The leadership, teaching, traditions of people who have never inquired of the Lord on your assignment. In other words, the supposed pastor that you're under, has he ever spoken into your life? Have you ever sat down and had coffee with him? And this is what I'm talking about in laying a proper apostolic foundation. Apostles will be guiding and directing pastors on how to lead people and what should be done. And if you're just following a pastor, he's never really spoken into your life or taken the time to spend time with you, I guess I'm asking what kind of pastor you have there. I wouldn't say he's your pastor, really. When you answer the seasonal assignment, whether as an apostle or a follower, of a transition into a new season, you don't need to unlearn a lot of things because the new things you're receiving will replace that. I think too many times we've concentrated on trying to get a hold of the old when really our concentration should be receiving the new. Here's an interesting question. Why was Paul an apostle to the church in entire regions, but folks today think they can function in autonomy without apostolic oversight. Why is the apostolic oversight, the prophetic and apostles working in tandem? Why is that missing? We've got a lot of, I told my friend today, sharing with him, we have a lot of prophets. And believe me, I'm not against the prophet. I'm so glad so many people are getting free in the prophetic gift. But just blowing off prophetic words all over a region or all over a group of people or different people, wherever you go, you know, kind of uh, aimlessly. What good is that? I've talked about in my Ecclesiastes class, it's like a hebel, a vapor that's here today and it's gone. You know, there's no framework or intentional network that establishes and ties these words together with apostolic foundational teaching. That's what I'm trying to say. There's a huge difference, another point, between functioning in your gifts and cultivating cultural activity outside of apostolic oversight. There's a difference between that and being under an apostolic network. And again, I haven't seen the apostolic network the way I believe God intends yet. But it will come. It will be here. God will establish it. In the New Testament, every church in every region who lived under the gospel of Christ and in the move of the Spirit was under the authority of an apostolic network or leader uh, and, and were sent out by this apostolic leadership. When there's been revival in the past that has been sustained, you can be sure there was apostolic leadership of some form in place. Without apostles, we have no infrastructure or foundation. We've talked about this before for successful ministry. But without prophets, we have no vision or prophetic revelation for administering the proper apostolic conduct or network. Apostles and prophets must learn to honor each other and work together in this day, in this season, in this time. Okay, let's see if there's anything else. I think we're going to close this off for today. Let's just close this off for today, and we will come back again. And I'm not sure if we're going to continue on. We might have a few points to wrap this up. I had some other things that I've been studying that I don't really have answers to. I might consult some of my other friends. I'm going to consult the Lord. This whole topic of prophets and apostles and the fivefold ministry working in today's 21st century church, the year 2020, the more you study it, just like the good things of the Lord, the more questions sometimes it opens up and we need God's revelation. So you folks have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining the kingdom corner podcast be blessed hey thank you for being a part of the kingdom corner make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode welcome to the family